This is an AMI podcast. Hi there. Welcome to Connecting Disability on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Megan Gilmore, and I'm really glad to be spending this final episode of 2022 with you. We like to end each year on a note of holiday cheer, and this year we're talking about finding a home. Vicki Levesque spent a decade living in a long-term care facility in Halifax. She has cerebral palsy, and she couldn't find adequate support in the community, so she moved to this facility when she was 21. In November, she finally got out. She joined me to talk about that journey and what happens next for her. We also talked briefly about poverty, homelessness, and MAID. If these are sensitive topics for you, you may just want to skip that part. And here's my conversation with Vicki Levesque. Hi, Vicki. Thanks for coming on the show today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, first things first, happy belated birthday. Yes, thank you. Uh, how did you celebrate this year? Uh, well, I tried to go out, but unfortunately, I got robbed. Um, you got robbed? On my birthday. It really sucked. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's all good. I'm not hurt or anything, but it did suck. That does suck. So, have you been able to go out and celebrate? Yes and no. Like, my friends came over. We did a little party thing. Like, a housewarming slash birthday party thing. So, yeah, I have to wait for my cards to come back before I can actually, you know, do stuff. Yeah, I was going out with a friend for drinks, and there was a homeless man who needed money, so I gave him money. And then when he hugged me, he grabbed all the stuff out of my wallet and, like, <gasps> ran away. Oh, wow. I'm really anyway. sorry about that. I'm glad you're okay. Have you got all the cards back? Nope, uh, they're in the mail. Okay. Well, I hope this all works out. Um, hope he gets the help he needs. You mentioned in your description of what you actually got to do for your birthday was that it was a bit of a joint birthday party and a bit of a housewarming party. So um, you've recently moved. I was just wondering if you could describe for people where you live now and why this is such a significant moment. Now, I live in my own condo with a roommate and it's really nice there's four participants so there's two um condo units one is when i live in with my roommate and then there's two ladies who live in the condo next door um and we share care so they go back and forth depending on who needs what and it's called the shared services pilot so some of the money comes from the Nova Scotia department of community service and then another part comes from um, the health department. So they've sort of combined their efforts and have this pilot going. We're the first four, but they've committed to moving 200 people from nursing homes out of the community in the next two years. And so before you moved to your condo, you were living in a nursing home. I was, and I totally fucked. I hate it. I was just wondering, for those who haven't heard your story, um, if you could just tell a little bit about why you ended up in a nursing home. Right. I tried um, being on what they call the self-managed care program, which is basically the government gives you money, but you have to run your like own small business and hire your own care and do the payroll and all of that. And I was 18, and I didn't know how to run a small business. Plus, I was mentally ill and physically ill and away from home for the first time. Um, and the, the hours that I was allowed are, were capped, so it wasn't 24 hours. I forget what the cap was, but it wasn't 24 hours. And um, as a result, I got sicker and sicker and almost like died. So then I got out of university, um, went to the Nova Scotia 
to rehab, got some help, moved in with my folks, and then once I got better, we said, okay, it's time for Vicky to move. So I went to a small home, do I do a tour or whatever, and then they sat me down and they said, well, can you dress yourself? I said, no. Can you shower yourself? I said, no. Can you self-transfer? I said, no. And I said, if I could do it, all of those things, why would I need to move here? And they said, oh, well, because you can't do those things because you require physical care. Uh, you don't fit here. In fact, you won't fit in any small hospital in the province because you have to be able to do your stuff yourself. And it's more for people with intellectual disabilities, uh, not those who need physical help. So we said, okay, what are my options? And the options were move into a nursing home now uh, at the age of 21 or wait for my parents to die and then move into a nursing home when they die. Those were my options. And you chose the first option. Yeah, because I was like, well, I don't want to live under my book's roof. I'm 21. I, I want my own life. And if this is the only way I can get it, then I guess, you know, whatever. And then we, we went to the nursing home and we talked to the social worker. She called it a dorm room with people just like me and that there were people who just needed a little help like me, but they were fully independent. And they'd be like living in a dorm with only disabled folks. And I was like, that sounds freaking great. Sign me up. And then I got there. And it wasn't like that at all. In fact, it was dangerous and scary and operated like a mini hospital. In fact, years later, when I started working with the homeless, who, of course, are often um, have been involved in the judicial system and the prison industrial complex, I noticed based on their stories that some of my experiences in the nursing home were very similar to those that they'd experienced in prison. And um, that sent me for a little bit of a shock. So for mm -hmm. years, I, I didn't think I had any legal recourse. And then my dad called the lawyer and the lawyer called me and said, would you like to get out of the nursing home? And I said, that's an option. And she said, technically what they're doing to you goes against your human rights and the UN Human Rights Code. And I'm like, oh, well, we better like fix that then. So I got in the pilot project. Like you gave a pretty brief summary there, but for those who've been following your story, it's been a number of years that yeah. you were working in, I, to. Yeah, I was in the nursing home for 10 years. I just moved so, out. And that... This is the beginning of the third week of me living in my own place. So I moved okay. less than a month ago. You've been very public about parts of your story, um, very generous with your time to tell it. Why did you decide to go public with your story? Because what was happening to me wasn't right. And I was really mad about it. And I was really unhappy. And then I realized that, oh, I took a look around me at the world. And I said, oh, wait, I'm not the only one getting screwed over. I did not fall through the cracks in the system. This is how the system is designed to operate. The system needs to change. So I got into it to fix like my problems and poor Vicky because I thought it was just a mistake. I thought somebody made a horrible mistake, but it, it wasn't a mistake at all. This is how the system was functioning and it was hurting a lot of people. So I had to ring the alarm that like, hey, people's rights are being violated and it's not just me and our government is like really messed up when it comes to providing services for persons with disabilities and like maybe we should stop doing that. Uh, so it's been three weeks ago that you moved. How's the transition process going? It's 
really great. I love the staff they have coming in. And this doesn't work like a nursing home at all. So me and the other participants are the ones in charge. Instead of having to go to a boss to ask permission for stuff, like, I am the boss. And the other participants are the bosses of their own lives. And I just tell them when I need done. And nobody argues with me. Nobody says, well, that's about the way we do it in school. They would just be like, okay, that's how we do it. And then they do it. I don't have an argument. I don't have to explain myself. They finally took people that have been like, well, you know your body better than I do. Which is something that I said to the nursing home people like lots and lots and lots of times. And quite often, I wasn't hurt. And then to hear that sentence said back to me, like they got it. Can you describe your condo for us? Okay, we have a living room, very big, and we have a little kitchen, like, it's like condo size, so it's like not a full room, but like there's enough room. The kitchen's yellow, I chose the kitchen color because my roommate is on a feeding tube, so the kitchen is sort of my domain, so I set it all up the way I want it, and my bedroom is purple, like a lavender, and it's real pretty, and my bed. The Thomas bed faces the window so that when I wake up, I can look out the window. We have to uh, make a bathroom and a half. So we have a shower room with a toilet and a sink. And then we have another room that houses a toilet and a sink, as well as a washer and dryer. And then my roommate has her bedroom. Got it. What's been some of the biggest adjustments for you now that you've moved out? Well, it's not really an adjustment. It's just the biggest thing for me. And I don't really want to call it an adjustment, but I, I didn't realize how terrified I was and how much anxiety I had. Like, I knew I was anxious. But I was thinking, it's just a normal amount of anxious. And then when I moved here and I no longer felt like my heart was going to, like, come out of my chest and that I was going to hyperventilate and die, I was like, oh, I can breathe. Like, this is what feeling calm feels like. I haven't felt that in 10 years without marijuana. Just, I feel safe. For the first time in 10 years, I feel safe. So what was it like this year for your birthday? Because I know in birthdays past, you've like had pizza brought in and you've like shared it with some of the other residents at the long-term care home because you might as well. But this year, it was you in your own place. And I know you love your birthday and want to celebrate your birthday for the entire month of December. So like, how did it feel to get to do your birthday party your way in your own space? Oh, so good, so good. And it just felt so normal. And I made cupcakes, and they were delicious. What kind of cupcakes were they? They were double chocolate with chocolate frosting and sprinkles. I ate four of them in two days. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any left? Oh, yeah, I make tons because I like chocolate, like, a lot. And I always have to have something chocolate, like, for, I call it a chocolate emergency, which is, like, when you're really stressed from, like, work and stuff, and you're just, like, I'm going to eat some chocolate because work is hard. So now you're all prepared. Yeah. And you mentioned work. So people may know you as Vicky, who's been telling her story about getting out of long-term care, but you were also involved in a lot of other things. I'm the spokesperson for the Disability Rights Coalition, which is currently going through a legal process. We won at the Court of Appeal that said that what the government is doing, which is putting people in nursing homes who have no medical reason to be there, is discriminatory, and they have to stop doing that. So now we're working with the government to, meaning the DRC, to develop a plan to close institutions and move people out into the community. 
And is that like a full time job? Because it sounds like a pretty ambitious. No, but it, it's not full time. But it comes and goes, so there can be like a month where they don't need me, and then like for example, we have meetings for the next two weeks, so it's gonna be a busy couple weeks, and then I work with the PAD, uh, PAD stands for Permanent Accessible Dignified Safer Housing Network. So we advocate on behalf of Nova Scotians to end homelessness. And then I do speeches about disability rights and uh, like Q&As and speeches on homelessness, but also on sexuality and disability. And I mean, yeah. I just got a job with the United Way. Congratulations. Thank you. How would you describe your day-to-day life now compared to what it was, say, four weeks ago when you were still living in a long-term care home? Well, I'm no longer a fearful, so that's a big thing. I was constantly checking over my shoulder, so I was very anxious and very scared for my safety. I'm not like that anymore. You know, I could just go do my work and then just like everybody else, right? My life is so normal now that, like, I just feel like it was boring, but I'm so happy that my life is so normal because that's something I've never thought I'd have. What are some of the, quote-unquote, like, normal things about your life that maybe people who've been living on their own for a while would take for granted, but you were really excited to get to finally do? The one main thing is I get to cook now with the help of my assistant. They do the physical stuff, but I tell them Mm -hmm. what to do. So if we screw up, it's my fault. So I get to screw up and I get to fail and I get to come up with my own ideas and have my wishes honored and be validated as a human being. What have been some of the things that you've made since you've moved? Turns out, actually, I'm a pretty good cook. So I've made tacos and I've made tortellini and I've made pizza. Those are the three things I'm most proud of. But yeah, I, I make a little bit of everything. I made this chicken vegetable thing. It was really good. I want to make a mac and cheese tonight because I love mac oh, and yeah. cheese. What do you put in your mac and cheese? I don't know, because I've never made a mac and cheese. But I'm thinking, like, I put the cheese in, obviously, but I also want to do, like, a sausage, because my mom put mm-hmm. sausage in hers, and hot pepper stuff, and, like, breadcrumbs on the top, so it gets all crispy. Vicky, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is because... Like we've hinted at before, this was not an easy journey. And I remember when I first found out that you were moving, it was a little over a year ago. You first found out you were moving in August 2021. We were hoping last December would be the move-in date. And then then obviously it happened this year. What was it like for you having like this dream come true, but then having to wait for it? Well, it felt like, and I know they weren't doing this to be mean or anything, but it felt like the world was, like, the people in charge were being like, psych, you know, you get to move now, psych, psych. And then when it was the official moving date, I was like, are you bloody sure? Because you said this, like, six Mm -hmm. times. And they're like, yeah, we're sure. And I'm like, but are you sure, sure? And I didn't really believe it until my belongings were placed in a moving truck. And then the first night when I slept in this bed and I said that I don't have to go back, Ever, ever, ever. I laid there and I cried because I was like, it's over. I'm free. There's a lot of work to do for other people and my work is not done, but I'm free. And I got out and I had people tell me in the nursing home, for example, that it was a pipe dream and that I would never have it because it was too expensive and that I should be grateful I'm not living under a bridge and what do I have to complain about and that I was just in the title brat, you know? So I was like, oh, you guys were wrong. Even when they kept moving the date, it made me believe, you know, maybe those naysayers, maybe they were right, but they were wrong. 
And you were in a nursing home for your 20s, all your 20s, right? A decade. I was in there for a decade. I moved in and at 21. 21, and you moved out at 31? 31, so yeah. Often, I've noticed we have this cultural almost obsession with the 20s, right? Like, they're described as, like, the best years of your life. And you're going to go and you're going to do all these things and you're going to, like, have all these jobs and travel and meet all these people and fall in and out of love and do all these things. I spent most of my 20s trying to find work while living on a government social assistance disability pension. So my 20s looked a little different than what is commonly advertised. I know yours looked a little different, too um what do you now think about our cultural obsession with like youth and with that time of your life being referred to as like the time of your life well i think any obsession with youth in our society is uh i don't know if i can swear so i'm not gonna but bullcrap like it's complete and utter bs we're taught, especially as women, that youth is like our only commodity is like youth beauty in our body. And that's like not cool. And we have to stop doing it. However, I do feel like I was robbed of my 20s somewhat. I mean, I did a lot of the stuff that you say you're supposed to do in your 20s, but I was also held back to no fault of my own. I don't know if I'm going to get it, but I would like an apology for what happened to me. But then I was supposed to cover it. In fact, I would like an apology to all people who have been institutionalized because what they did is wrong. I just think about it, and it's so disgusting. I want a official apology on record in our province house. I want them to invite me and some other representatives from the disability community who speak for people who are currently in or have been in institutions, and I want a formal apology. Do you think you're going to get it? No, God, no. So, like, what does it look like for you to continue to build your life knowing that you may never get the apology that you're looking for? Well, if they give me an apology because I was on this program or I was on other programs asking for an apology, then it's not a real apology. You're doing it because you've been pushed, you know? So I'm going to have to live my life without it and realize that at least our current conservative government doesn't think they did anything wrong. And that's meaning the government and Nova Scotia, not just their government, but the past government for decades. They think they've done nothing wrong, and they like, we messed up, but oh, it's just a mistake. And I'm like, no, you literally ruined people's lives, and we continue to do that in this country. I mean, there are people accessing made because they can't find expensive housing, or can't afford rent, or can't find proper care, so they're accessing made. And the government is like, that's fine. And I'm like, they're giving us the tools to die, but not the tools to live. And that pisses me off. Our country, when it comes to people with disabilities, especially since the thing was introduced and the way it is and is expanded, our country is completely backward and we should be ashamed of ourselves. I'm going to ask two questions that are somewhat similar. But here's the first one. If you could go back in a time machine and meet yourself, 10, 11 years ago. What would you say to Vicky as Vicky is getting ready to move into a long-term care facility? Okay, first of all, people are lying to you about how good it's going to be, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it because you have to do it because you have to get to the city because you will be able to make connections and not only get yourself out of the terrible situation, but to get others and then this is your purpose and it's going to be really hard and a lot of times it's really going to suck and you're going to cry a lot and be really angry, but it's important to just like put on your big girl pants and do the work 
it needs to be done. And now, what would you say to today's current crop of like 21 year olds with cerebral palsy or, or with other disabilities who are looking at um, the reality is that, yes, we do live in a country that makes it easier for people with disabilities to die in a state sanctioned way than it is for them to live, right? So, what would you say to 21 year old with CP right now? I'm sorry, the world isn't built for people like us. I'm sorry about the amount of bullshit you're going to have to go through. And that's totally wrong and it just happened. But there are a lot of people like me and like you. And if we all band together, there's more of us than there are of them. And if we all work together, we can create real change so that the next crop of us that come along will never have to face what we think. I'm here for you and you're not alone. Now, when this airs, it will be a few days before Christmas. This is your first winter holiday season in your own home in more than a decade. So I was just wondering, do you have any like special plans this year? No, I mean, we do Christmas, but like ever since I was like, like teenager and older teenager, we've never done anything really special per se. Like, we hang out. We watch Christmas movies. Give me meat, watch, give me food. We open presents. We say how much we love each other. All that stuff. But no, nothing big. This isn't about, like, big spectacles for me anyway. It's about spending time with people you love. And as long as I get to do that, I'm happy. You mentioned Christmas movies and a big theme in Christmas movies is this idea of home and either like returning to the place of your childhood or finding a new home, whatever. If they were to make a Christmas movie based off of your life, what would you want it to be called? Oh, um, oh, you put me on the spot. I'm trying to think. I like alliteration, so something like, um, dashing disability stereotype. Dashing, like, as in dashing through the snow? Exactly. And who would you want to play you? Oh, uh, can they be disabled or non-disabled? Well, you're in charge, so you can pick whoever you want. Okay, I'm in charge. Uh, Melissa Benoit. I don't think I know her. Where's she from? She's from Supergirl. She plays Supergirl. And I think she kind of looks like me. And she's spicy. I like her. Right. Because one of the things I know about you, Vicky, is you are a big superhero fan. A comic yes. fan. And yeah. Disney Princess fan. Yeah. So first I need to ask, did you bring the collage of photos that you had in your old room, the photos of the Disney princesses and the pictures from Comic-Con when you go? Are those yeah. are those in your new yeah. home? Yes, they are. Of course they are. And my mom I... actually got me a cool birthday present this year. I don't know if you know this site called Cameo, where you can like, hire celebrities to make videos for your friends. Yeah. A big Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, and Spike in particular. So my mom got Spike from Buffy to make a video for me singing me happy birthday. Oh, wow. And I, like, freaked out a little bit. And it was like, hi, Vicky. And I'm like, that's me. <laughs> that's my name. <laughs> I'm Vicky. Hi, Vicky. It's Spike. Your mom just wanted me to wish you happy birthday. And I'm glad you were born. And you're really funny. And you're really smart. And you're really kind. And then he sang me happy birthday. It was really nice. Aww, that is yeah. really nice. So is there anything else that you would want to say about your journey to your new home that you didn't get to? Uh, no, just that my work is not done and people keep telling me like, oh, you're free now. You can retire and move on to something else. I can't. There are literally thousands of 
people behind me, not just in Nova Scotia, but across the country. So my work is not done until everybody who wants to move in the community gets that opportunity. So before we move to the final questions, I have a few quick lightning round questions for you. Are you ready? Okay, yes. Your top three Disney princess songs. Songs? Uh, Belle from Beauty and the Beast, Under the Sea, and Party of the World. So two Little Mermaids, one Beauty and the Beast? Yeah. Belle's your favorite, right? Yeah. Why Belle? Because she got to know the dude before she married him, and she's really smart, and she doesn't take any golf, and she likes books. She is my favorite, too, partly because she liked books and partly because she has brown hair and I have brown hair. And that is why she was my favorite when I was six. If you could do a mashup movie where, like, let's say, because you know how you're in a condo with roommates. If you could do a mashup movie where, let's say, like, four Disney princesses have to live together in a condo, who would you have lived together? Oh, that's cool. Uh, Belle? I know it's not technically a princess, but Esmeralda, Rapunzel from Tangled, and probably Penelope uh, Von Sweet from Wreck-It Ralph. What would they live in? Because in each of the movies, like, they live in very different places, each of themselves. So what would you make the four of them live in? So I would think they would all live in, like, a smart house where it's like, good morning, Buddha Okay, And would the men associated with them, uh, would they live nearby or are they like not part of this at all? Of course, they live across the street. And if you could star in any Disney Broadway musical based off of the princess stories, which one would it be and why? Beauty and the Beast, obviously. Then I'd be built. Plus, I would just like to point out I haven't had a disabled Disney princess yet. Okay, can we talk about that? And I'm like, mad about it. And I don't think it would be like, so I wear glasses, okay? And granted, I'm not very good at drawing, but if there's an animator listening to this, I really don't think it would be that difficult to actually just draw a pair of glasses on somebody. Like, literally, it's circles and lines. Yeah. Right? Right. And I'm like, where are my princesses with, like, mobility in? Right. But yet, we have all the villains, and they often have disabilities. Like, Gar has a facial mm-hmm. deformity. Someone seems to often be disabled, but we don't have a lot of disabled here. And I'm, like, mad about that. So, Vicky, before we go, there's two questions that we always ask everybody who comes on the show. The first is, where in your life right now has it been harder for you to connect with people because of living with a disability and all that that can entail? Uh, dating. Dating with a disability, mm. oh, it's really hard. Because you're, you're either written off as a romantic interest or you're fetishized, both of which are bad. That's fair. I think about that one a lot. And what has good connection meant for you? What does it look like right now? Just being treated like a human being and the people I have to connect with, it's not like they ignore my being disabled. I hate the people who are like, oh, I don't see disability. I'm like, well, then you don't see me as a human, like in my full humanness. And it's not like my being disabled is bad. So I can't see it because it's part of who I am. It's dictates a lot of my life and how I see the world. But they don't focus on it either. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, this is Vicky. She's a witch. She needs help with stuff. Moving on. Right. And it's just incorporated into the everyday fabric. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious. Like, you've had an experience that very few people have actually had and that you lived in a long-term care facility for a very long time, longer than most people do, and then you came out. How did those of us who don't currently live in such institutions, like, how can we be good friends and relatives to people we know who are living in a long-term care facility. Try to get them out as fast as possible. 
you know, if that means you have to go in front of your province house and go and have signs and be obnoxious, then you do that. Write your representative, contact a lawyer to see what their rights are, see if they have any suggestions on how to help you access community support. And most importantly, I think, really, if you can't get them out, really listen to what they're going through and stand up for them. Because even if they can advocate for themselves, like I could, quite often by the powers of the they are not listened to. So I can mm. say something to the people in my nursing home, right? And they'll ignore me. But I send my dad in to say the exact same thing, almost in the exact same way. And they're like, oh, yes, Mr. Levesque, you're totally right. We will change that. So I'm like, I don't know if it's ableism or sexism or both. I suspect it's more ableism. Uh, yeah, let them be their own voices. But if those voices are not being listened to, that it's your job to amplify that voice. Well, Vicky, is there anything else that you'd like to say uh, for people before we let you go? I'm on at Vicky Levesque on Twitter. If you think I can help you in any way or you want to, like, hire me to do some stuff, like, if anything I just described at the beginning of this, you can, like, contact me there and we'll work something out. But even if you don't want to hire me first off, if you just want to, like, talk about that, about how being disabled in a world that isn't built for you, like, talk, I'm also here for that. Well, Vicky, as you know, this has been a rough year for a lot of people in different ways. Um, and people in my job on this side of the mic, we often don't get to tell good stories and we don't get to watch somebody's life turn better. So thank you for letting those of us in the media along for this ride, um, for this journey. Thanks for letting us see you come into your own place. And I'm hoping to come visit you one day. Yes, my door is always open. Thank you to everybody in your job or your type of job that amplifies the voices of not just the powerful, but of people like me and, and all the other voices that you are, and people in the AIT and other groups amplified. Without the media, I don't think I would have gotten that. So thank you. Oh, thank you. That means a lot, Vicky. Connecting Disability is a production of AMI-audio. It's written and produced by me, Megan Gilmore, with technical production by Nizreen Abdel-Majid. Andy Frank is the manager of AMI-audio. Special thanks to our guest, Vicky Levesque. Special personal thanks to my friend, Tori Bizzle, who's a big supporter of the show. Tori got to spend this Christmas at home in Canada before she heads back to Kenya, where she works. So glad I got to see you while you were here. And finally, thank you to you for listening and spending part of your year with us. We really appreciate it. Wherever you are as this year ends and whatever you may be waiting for, I hope you experience some comfort, joy, and hope. Thanks so much for listening. We'll connect in 2023.